Welcome to the second episode of the CaliCast. I'm your host, Gron. I'm joined by my co-host, Sheikh Tariq. And let's get into it. So, obviously, Palestine. Palestine. Big in the news. Sheikh Jarrah, people getting kicked out. Explosions, bombs. Right. And this is nothing new. This has been going on for decades. Um, but this time feels different. Normally, something would happen. Uh, they'd go to Al-Aqsa, do some crazy stuff, kick people out. You'd have reaction, protests, rocks being thrown, uh, tear gas, rubber bullets, and then two, three days later, it calms down. Uh, but this time, uh, it just feels different. And even the political analysts of that region have said that this is, this is different. Um, and what makes it different is that the Palestinians are actually quite unified in their response. Normally, the Israeli thugs and the apartheid state would kind of do something in one particular area, like Jerusalem or, or Gaza, and then it would kind of be a reaction of the people of that area, whereas the Palestinians in other parts of Palestine are just kind of calm. They're doing their own thing. This time, all of them got up at once. So Gaza firing rockets in Tel Aviv as a response to what's going on, that, I don't remember that something like that happening. Normally, um, Gaza would fire rockets without it being a retaliation to something else. Mm. That's outside of Gaza, let's put it that way. But now it seems like there's some sort of unison, there's unity by the Palestinian people. Um, and this is, seems to be scaring the, the Israeli Zionists in that uh, Netanyahu gathered really the, the heads of the various departments of, of what we call you know, in, uh, interior affairs like the police, the uh, secret service, the army, etc., mm -hmm. which, is, which is different response. Well, things are different uh, in terms of the response, the reaction, but in terms of the events, Same just events? one in a long line of, of uh, days in Palestine. That's terrible. It what, is. Wh why, why is there such a... Why is Israel having such a strong reaction against Al-Aqsa? Why, why coming in in Ramadan while people are praying, kicking them out, throwing tear gas? Well, so, so what it seems like is that there's some sort of Jewish event or Jewish holiday that fell within Ramadan. And they were trying to clear out Al-Aqsa, Jerusalem, so that the settlers can have uh, some, some, you know, just basically everything for them. That's one thing I heard. Another thing I heard is that uh, they're forcing the people of Sheikh Jarrah uh, out of their homes. Mm. And literally some guy from Brooklyn, right, from Brooklyn, imagine, goes there, knocks on the, the door of this home and says, get out, this is my land, God gave it to me. Is that the same guy that said, uh, if I don't take it, somebody else will? Is that that video? I think so. I think so. I haven't seen that video. Mm. Right? But you have that mentality. I mean, can you imagine someone just coming to your home, knocking on the door, saying, hey, God gave me this home, you got to get out? That, that, that's what I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. It's like, how do you have a large state full of people that have the same mentality, the Zionist mentality saying, you, even though you're an Israeli citizen, you are less than me because you're Palestinian? It's not just that, man. This guy from Brooklyn may have never set foot, or I don't know if this guy particularly, but the, the laws is that someone who's of Jewish descent, right? Now, let's make it very clear to the viewer. We as Muslims have nothing against Jews. No, not at all. Jews have always lived with Muslims. Not only that, they flourished under Muslim rule. 
and when uh, the the reca reca uh, what they call the reconquistadora took back took Andalus Spain, Spain mm. right, and they were starting to oppress Muslims and Jews. Muslims, the Ottoman Empire, started to they they had a mission to take people out of that land, put them in Morocco, and they took the Jews as well. So you had the Muslim armies putting their life on the line to save the Jews. And as far as I'm aware, throughout Islamic history, there has n there has never been uh, after the the Prophet after the death of the prophetic era, there has never been friction between Muslims and Jews. And my, uh, Jewish colleagues of mine in interfaith and whatnot have mentioned this. I've never heard a Jew say that we didn't like living under Muslim rule. They said the exact opposite. We loved living under Muslim rule. Mm. Right? Uh, so let's just make that clear to the audience. Our, our disapproval, our anger is towards this Israeli state and their policies. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, because they try to make this into, oh, you guys are anti-Semitic and whatnot. Oh, no. I mean, come on. Because there are Jews in New York, like I remember in New York, Hasidic Jews, right? They would, they would wear their suits and their hats and mm. all that. They would be protesting f uh, against Israel for yeah. Palestine. Yeah. Yeah. So we have allies in, in Jewish uh, Voices for Peace. Mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a very strong ally of Muslims in America. Um, so we just make that clear to the audience. But what's happening is that this, the state, the policies of the state, is 100% apartheid. And this isn't just, you know, Muslims kind of titling this mm -hmm. this country, accusing them of it. You have the Human Rights Watch now saying that this is an apartheid state. Even Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, right? Yeah. I believe uh, Jimmy Carter also said or made comments about you know the, the the discrimination that goes on. And just to give you an example of it, you know, someone a someone of Jewish descent who has never stepped foot in Israel, right, can go and the first day get Israeli citizenship and kick a Palestinian now who's been living there for. For hundreds of years just wrap that around your head that's just tyranny that's just ugly tyranny i find it ironic because you would think because historically you would see world war ii jews had it hard they, uh, the nazi regime was um what's it called they were a terrorist state they were killing jews and now i see the same thing i feel like in israel where there's just like this group of people they don't matter yeah i mean this is exactly what's going on and, and, and uh norman uh, finkelstein has said this before. And his parents were of the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. And he said, you guys are doing the same thing to the people of Gaza. How does that work? I mean, it's so, it's such a strange, bizarre mentality. And subhanAllah, that's, that's what it is what it is, but this time feels different. I want to talk about that. Feel different. Well, how so, like you said, it's always happened. People, it's always been a pressure, always kicked out, always, you know, tear gas and all that. But it, because the response is different, well, we, can we expect that result? Can we expect something to happen? Allahu alam, I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, if you were to have asked me five years ago, would we see the, the fall of the Israeli state? I probably would have said no. Not in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. I probably would have said no. Now I'm thinking it, it could happen. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it, the way things are going, it, it looks like they're losing control. I mean, it was tough for them to deal with the West Bank and Gaza in the first place. But now it mm -hmm. seems like uh, it just they're losing that grip. And I wonder if that is due to America's presence in the international community kind of weakening as well. Um, you know, statistics have shown that uh, Isra support of Americans for Israel is, is lessening. And that by, I forgot what year, you know, it seems like the majority of Americans are going to oppose aiding 
right? Not oppose Israel, but oppose aiding Israel. And you kind of hear this. Because don't we send like $18 billion in I don't know what it is. Some ridiculous amount, yeah. right? Uh, so you have that. You have a weakening support for that. Uh, the left, as they become more progressive and more left, um, their mission or their dedication, commitment to human rights is strengthening, right? Um, and so you, you're finding more voices from Western governments who are actually openly and publicly critiquing, criticizing the actions and the policies of Israel, mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't hear that before. You now have uh, a, a short film, I think it's called uh, The Present, on Netflix, and it's going to be released on Amazon Prime, that won the, the some reward in, in the UK, the Britain, and was nominated for the Oscar here in America. Ten years ago, that wasn't even imaginable. Right? So you have the left that's becoming more progressive, and, and so their support for Israel is probably going to weaken. Um, when it comes to American policy itself, we, we're finding that, or looks like America's going more towards withdrawing from the international community, or mm -hmm. at least kind of focusing more on the, the threats like China and, and Russia, instead of you know, policing a larger, broader area. They're now withdrawing from Afghanistan, they're withdrawing from Iraq, from Syria. And you know, according to political analysts, that's just a sign or, or, or an announcement to the world that Middle East is no longer our primary concern. Um, also, with Biden's uh, proposal f to repair and renew the infrastructure, it looks like America is going to start focusing more on inter internal affairs, mm -hmm. um, which will require more budget and which is going to reduce maybe the defense budget. Uh, and so Israel's strength was pretty much America. That's it. Uh, and so when America withdraws or if America weakens, then they're going to weaken as well. Um, and so, I mean, I'll, I'll, only Allah knows the future. Of course. But this is kind of my two cents. But the one thing I always worry about is, you know, inshallah, uh, any terror state, I hope they, they fail. So I hope Israel fails and like uh, a better state comes out, something more just. But I always wonder if Israel fails and let's say Palestinians they get the majority, would they treat the Israels as they were treated the same? Because they're so like... Well, we have our history and we have our present. Mm -hmm. Historically speaking... I mean, look at what Salah Hadin did with the Christians who invaded, not the Christians who were native of the land, because they were Christians who were of denominations that were not European. Right? When the European Christians entered, they slaughtered the Christians of, uh, of, the, of that area. Really? Yeah. They slaughtered the Christians of that, the Arab Christians, the Arab Jew, the Jews, and the Muslims. Kind of like how ISIS slaughters other Muslims mm -hmm. that are just. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they did that. And when Salah Hadin retook Jerusalem, I kicked them out, he, he let them go. And they were more than welcome to come and visit the area. So you don't find that in our history when a tyrannical force enters our land and we finally overtake them, hmm. that we implement uh, laws or legislate laws that discriminate against them. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> now, history might repeat itself, but it might not. Um, you can imagine how difficult it's going to be for the Palestinians to treat the Jews or the Israelis, I should say, not the Jews, the Israelis, fairly after all that they've done, right? And they, for us Muslims, and we have our Islam, just let it go. Mm -hmm. When things settle down, just let it go. Okay, don't let these grudges hold you. Don't don't do bad to others. Don't do that which is haram to others just because they did it to you. We're not allowed to do that. Uh, so 
the Islamic thing to do would just institute or implement the policies that um, would allow them to integrate into society and live just as another person. Uh, that's the Islamic way. But, you know, I'm not, even though I'm Palestinian, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the Palestinian people. Uh, so we just want to be careful of that. And uh, I guess on a more useful note for us that are not in Palestine, for us in America or Europe, or Britain, what can we do to help? Like, realistically, what can we do? Right. Uh, so, you know, we have many organi Muslim organizations here in America that are calling to action, uh, writing to your local representative, the congressperson of your region, uh, to buy it into the White House. You know, these things, uh, protests, uh, these things don't have immediate results. They don't. They have long-term results. Because essentially what these things do is raise awareness, more so than change policy. And again, how things have changed, progressed over the past few decades here for us in America in terms of our influence and whatnot, I mean, we're starting to see the fruits of those efforts. Right? Uh, so you can do that. Now, don't forget that part of dealing with this problem is making sure we remain um, un uh, uncompromised in terms of our, our hearts and our minds, mm -hmm. right? What happens a lot of times is that when we don't act, we become very frustrated. And with that frustration comes grudges, comes hate, comes rage. And so when we go to protest, when we do something, at least we kind of calm our minds and our hearts from... Uh, you know, really bottling this up. Because when you look at ISIS and these guys, they are rage-filled people. They are angry at the situation of the Muslim world. They are angry with the Muslim governments. They are angry with a foreign intervention. Now, these aren't unjustified, um, uh, un unjustified feelings, mm -hmm. per se. But because there was no or there are no institutions there are no movements a legitimate movements that attempt to address these issues you find that they splinter off and form these very violent groups and so it's kind of their rage coming out at the, the ugliest in the ugliest ways and so we want to make sure that our youth our community don't fall into something like that and it's possible mm -hmm. it's quite possible um and so you, what you find is that the youth often get angry at the religious leadership when they don't talk about these things. Why don't you talk about the, the, the Palestinian situation? Why don't you talk about this? Why do you do khutbah about salah when this is going on in India? So you have that sentiment, and we need to make sure that we actually address it. Right? Uh, so you have these uh, American Muslims for Palestine. You have CARE. You have uh, ICNA, um, you have, among others. You know, I don't know them all, but you have a lot of or Muslim organizations that are um, organizing rallies, organizing action. Mm -hmm. Do what they do. When that thing, petition, sign this petition. Sign it. Sign it. They're si doing a petition to the White House. White House. Sign it. Call your senator. Do it. Right? And we have wonderful people. You can call your senator? You call the office. I mean, oh, okay. You're not going to call their cell phone. You call the office. And the point is, oh, the secretary will say, you got a thousand calls from locals, you know, demanding or saying that they want to speak to you. So right now, one of our local community members is... um organizing an effort to reach out to Katie Porter, you know, our um, representative, uh, to, to discuss this issue, mm -hmm. right? We need about 300 petitions. And then she'll see, okay, I have 300 people, 300 votes in kind of the local government is a lot. So it, it, they pay attention to it. And so 
uh, we do that, the next step is, okay, we want to meet with you. We want to educate you about this. And you find in the long term, you know, it, it does have an impact. We tend to think that, you know, nothing's going to change in the Congress and whatnot. Yeah, maybe with the far right. But the left, I, I don't think it's the same thing, hmm. right? Um, a lot of these Congress people or senators, they, they, they voice favor for Israel because they get a lot of money from advocates of Israel. Uh, but if they see that, wait a minute, I have also these other side, the Muslims. Um, I gotta gotta be aware of them as well. That's how American politics works. You know, we have uh, local representatives um, and the governor of California. Beginning of Ramadan, when Eid comes, they give a you know a, a greeting, Eid Mubarak. Do you ever remember that when you were young? I don't remember when I was young. Never. Right. Why are they doing that now? Well, because we become more organized, more integrated, more cl our voice is clearer, louder. And it's all so about votes and dollars. Yeah, the votes and dollars, right? Votes and dollars. Votes and dollars. And maybe, you know, we don't want to say that all these Congress people are to just care about their position, their seat. Mm -hmm. No. W again, as I mentioned, with the left kind of becoming more and more progressive. And I say that very, very neutrally, by the way, uh, so I don't get attacked that, oh, you're supporting the left and whatnot. <laughs> I say that very neutrally. When it comes to human rights, right, a lot, I, I still think, agree with me, disagree with me, put it in your comment and put it in the comments. I still feel that much of America and Americans, they're still, when it comes to justice and rights, they're still very much alive. Like they're, they're, still, um, they're, they're still conscious of this. Their minds haven't been corrupted when it comes to justice. Mm -hmm. the, the far right, these pro-Trump people, they're just off the board. But I still feel that most or many of Americans, uh, much of America, they, they still kind of hold this valuable. Then to those people, because usually, you know, they watch CNN or Fox or whatever news channel it is. All, all I'm seeing in the news is, oh, clashes between uh, Israel and Palestine. Clashes, clashes, clashes. Or they'll use very neutral terms or terms in which it makes both sides seem fair. Or on the news yesterday on CNN, I saw it said uh, uh, Hama uh, Israel responds to Hamas rockets. But it never shows the the picture where it's like it's, it's not a clash, it's technically an oppression. Or for example, on I think it was CNN, they showed the uh, Aqsa on fire, but they just it was a picture and they just cropped the top of it where it showed like the dome and the fire. But like uh, somebody named John Fontaine, he's like on Instagram, he's kind of popular, Muslim guy. He, he he zoomed out and showed on his next story that that the whole picture and it was just thousands of uh, Israelis celebrating on fire. So how would you come? Well, for those people that see this and think, oh, it's a clash between people, or oh, it's religious, or oh, it's not that bad, or oh, they deserve it, how would you go about changing their minds? Because if, if you go up to them and just be like, hey, yo, why aren't you playing Palestine? No, I think that that's what we need to do. We need to go to people at the individual level, grassroots type work. Mm -hmm. Or else, I mean, what is some some American who's never left America sitting on the couch watching TV? What is, I mean, what do you, what do we expect them to think? You know, very interestingly, in, in Surah Al-Jinn, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes the jinn as saying They say that we never thought that human, a human being or a jinn would, would say a lie about Allah You have much, most of humanity maybe They just don't expect their leaders to just blatantly lie to them They don't expect the news media to just blatantly lie to them mm -hmm. They just don't know And so we need to counter that by um, By uh, the grassroots level going to them raising awareness personally say hey you know with your friends with your co-workers with your colleagues 
And you'll find once people know the truth, they're like, whoa, they might not become a, an open advocate for Palestine. You mm -hmm. know, we're not expecting another Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, um, but at least it will change their perception. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the ways, at least. So our local MSAs and MSU should do like a little slideshow? Well, you know, that would be great, but the MSAs need to be very careful because you also have the, the Zionist kind of supporters in these. It's true. You know, what happened at the University of California of, of Irvine? Right? That, that was a big problem. Alhamdulillah, you know, the Muslims kind of were victorious in that, as far as I know. But um, What happened it, in UCI? I don't know, but some sort some st some feud happened between the MSA and the or the MSU they call the Muslim Student Union and the uh, some Isra pro-Israeli group mm -hmm. right and they tried to um, I guess the Muslims wanted to ra raise awareness of something I don't know the exact story because it's happened before I came uh, but the, the pro-Israelis wanted to stop it and whatnot but the school voted in favor or judged in favor of the Muslims and freedom of speech and whatnot mm -hmm. uh, but you know that that did happen and it was kind of a scare i know parents are actually kind of worried about stuff like that whenever i tell them you know make sure your child goes to the msa when they go to college so yeah but these things happen and whatnot i tell them you gotta just let it happen right we're not telling them to go and <laughs> protest in the streets but being part of the msa is quite important especially at that age group mm -hmm. and continuing on this topic so representatives grassroots any other? Right. Um, so you, my, what would I do as a religious leader? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to be the most effective in raising awareness. I can promote these things. I can announce them at Friday Juma prayer and my social media, and hopefully people respond. Uh, but what I can do as a religious leader is call to religious action. You know, when you look at the uh, the Palestinians who are really on the kind of the front lines clashing. Uh, one of the clearest images is that you get are these sisters who are wearing the hijab and the abaya or the jilbab, you know, mm -hmm. the, the full Islamic garment, and their chant is Islamic. Okay. So you, when you look at a situation like that, as, some, as someone who kind of briefly looked into psychology, I asked the question, you know, how, are their, how, is their, how has their consciousness not been crushed? Their identity not been crushed. It's been going on for decades, man. Systematic oppression. You know, when you look at what happens to our uh, the black folk and uh, the Latinos here in, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and systemic racism and whatnot, I mean, it puts them in this situation where they're they're boxed into a chaotic life, right? A, a uh, low class, uneducated, major problems, that type of environment. And that plays with the mind. Right? So when you go to, if you were to go to a place like the ghettos, the people are, they're, they're different than what we are accustomed to maybe in the suburbs. And I mean that again, very neutrally, just that's what we observe. So how is it that these Palestinians who have been put into concentration, a, tr a huge concentration camp like Gaza, or are constantly heckled, harassed, and abused, right, put into apartheid, you know, how have they retained their, their sense of dignity and identity? Well, it's because, at least I think, they believe in the cause, the Islamic cause. And that has helped them retain their identity and their, right, their, their uh, consciousness. Mm -hmm. This is very serious. This is very serious. You know, when you study the, uh, the Holocaust from a psychological level, people there just became so numbed 
that if someone died in front of them, it's like, oh, okay, it's another day. It's very normal. I mean, they, they cannot see beauty around them anymore. They just see ugliness I and mean, nothing. Their emotions are pretty much killed. And that's, I mean, that's intentional by the, by the Nazis and whoever does this. Mm-hmm. So for these an entire community, and we're talking about one, we're not talking about one or two people, we're talking about an entire population remains strong and unwavering. I mean, you have to ask the question, what's, what does that do? Where's that coming from? And, of course, me being someone who's a, a religious preacher, I'm going to say it's their Islamic identity. There is, a, there is a mission, there is a vision, and there's also a promise from Allah. Mm-hmm. And that has caused them to put their life on their line, their lives on the line, to defend Al-Aqsa, to defend the Jer- Jerusalem. Why? It's not because of the building. We can rebuild the building. But it's because of what it represents. That is Islam. This is who we are. And so if we Muslims want to also kind of uh, be in solidarity with them, then go to the masjid. They're defending what? Masjid. A masjid. But this masjid is significant. It's unique in that every single prophet has been there. And that is where the Prophet ﷺ led all the prophets in salah, which signifies what? A continuation of this mission, this prophetic lineage, or this prophetic line, I should say. Of people coming and preaching la ilaha illallah. That is what the masjid is. And so any masjid other than Al-Aqsa is a representation of that. So when we come to the masjid, it's our identity, it's our vision in life, it's remembering the promise of Allah, paradise. And so if you want to be with your Palestinian brethren or your brethren, your Muslim brothers and sisters in India or Kashmir or East Turkmenistan or Indonesia, um, not Indonesia, um, Myanmar, I'm sorry, in Egypt, in Syria, in Yemen, then go to the masjid. Because these folk go to the masjid despite the threats, the immediate threat it has on their life. So why aren't you going to the masjid when the police department, the local police department, makes sure you're safe? Go to the masjid, Fajr, Aisha prayer. Because that is who we are. You lose that, what is left? You know, what is left for us to retain? It's our identity, huh? It is our identity. And one more interesting thing: Have you seen the picture where it's um they try to burn? Uh, I'm guessing it was Israelis that they try to burn mm-hmm. uh, the Quran, and the last page left was the what was it? What's it? Surah Al-Baqarah. Surah Al-Baqarah. Yeah. Very amazing. I feel like that has to be like there has to be divinity in that. Like that cannot be random can it? it can't be all that, that was just that page just happened to last well, well we first want to be careful and verify mm-hmm. what happens a lot of times in, in these conflicts is that pictures from past times are put as if it happened now oh, okay or it's a different completely different situation right but what it looks like is that this is actually legit this is legit it happened recently and the story is legit in the current conflict and i guess the story is uh that some israeli settler wanted to burn the Qur'an, burnt the Qur'an until it reached a particular page in Surah Al-Baqarah, verses 221 or something like that, that page. And what we read on that page is so relevant to what is currently going on. It's truly unbelievable that we say that this is a, this is a message from Allah. Right? And that's another issue, you know. A lot of people say this is a message from Allah, it's a message from Allah, when really it's just kind of 
things are happening. Mm -hmm. But this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we can, inshallah, confidently say that this is a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the verse, uh, the page start with? Salbani Israel. So ask the children of Israel. Now we have one, par one party of the conflict here. Ask the children of Israel. Ask them. Kam min as the children of Israel, how many clear signs have come to them? How many warnings have come to them? How many blessings of Allah have come to them that yet they ignored? And whoever replaces the blessing of Allah, meaning faith, piety, tawheed, after it has come to you, after it has come to them, then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is severe in punishment. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is prophesizing or foreshadowing I should say the the inevitable punishment that's coming and then further down the page Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the believers the Muslims the Palestinians um, do you think O oh believers you're going to enter paradise uh, before you live a life or go through these situations that the the pious predecessors went through uh, they were afflicted with difficulties, hardships, until they were shaken. They were shaken to the core. Until the believers, including the Prophet that was leading those believers, would say, when is the, uh, when is the help of Allah coming? And then Allah concludes and says, Indeed, the help of Allah is near. Now, the nearness doesn't mean tomorrow. Right? The nearness is that it is soon to come. And although it might not come for a decade, two decades, three decades, that is not much time. It's not much time. That is near. Um, <clears throat> and so when you look at history, when you look at 100 years of history, you can talk about it in 10 minutes. Well, oh yeah, 100 years and that's fun. And when we talk about, for example, a, a dynasty or an empire that lasted 80 years, we'd say, oh wow, that's a really short time. You know, what's next? So it, it's not much time. That's beautiful. I think that's a good place to end it off. Um, so just to wrap up, before we go, write to your local senators, to your local representatives, uh, spread awareness on social media, grassroots grass level uh, talking to your peers, mm -hmm. and what else I forget? The, the participating in your, with your religion. Go to the masjid. Now, this is the place where, this is what they're defending. So you defend your local masjid by actually participating. That's true. Make sure you comment, like, and subscribe. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam.